So a couple of songs we did this morning. Um, the first one, I Need the Every Hour, and I, I typically choose that hymn for right after our prayer time because it's kind of a mellow, almost solemn song, you know, as we're bringing our prayer requests, we say, God, I, I need you. I need you all the time. But this morning I did it up front right after the scripture remember because there's also an upbeat message to this. You know, we need you all the time. I need thee every hour. And, and we talk about this concept of surrendering, and we'll talk about it again in a minute. And we're not surrendering giving up, not in the true sense of, of throwing up our hands and, and saying, that's it. it we're, we're surrendering our, our struggles and our fears and the things that we're asking for prayer over. And you're saying, I need you in those. And, and God specializes in answering those kinds of prayers and taking care of us. And then this, the last hymn, In His Time, again, we're going to talk a little bit about this morning about His time. In fact, I'm a, I'm a big fan of God's plans. I love seeing what He does. The way He moves and the way He works through people and circumstances in His church. And as a congregation, we've prayed with gratitude for these things. We have, as a congregation, prayed for Him to work in specific situations of illness and injury and struggles of all kind. Not only for our friends and family around us in this room, but also for our friends and family and neighbors in the community. Example, this morning we prayed for those we've never even met. People came to us with prayers we lift up to God. Because I am a fan of God's plans. He has done wonderful things for me, for my family. And he's turned what I believed at the time to be horrible situations. He's turned those into blessings. I love his plans. It's his timing I struggle with. Are you like me? Do you prefer to have his blessings now? Have you ever wanted out of a situation now? An answer, an acknowledgement, any kind of sign right now. This isn't going to be a sermon on patience. Not directly. We'll do that another Sunday. But a few months ago, we looked at the story of Moses leading the Israelites through the wilderness on their way to the land that God had promised them. A journey that ended up lasting 40 years. 40 years. It's a long time to travel under any circumstance. But remember, they were being pursued by the Egyptians who wanted to capture them and enslave them. There were long periods where they didn't know where the next meal or water would come from, but God provided for them every time. And there was a seeming endlessness to this journey. No one knew when they would arrive in this land that was promised to them, or even where it was. There were times that their path actually circled back towards itself. Every single day of the 40 years they wondered if tomorrow would be the day or if the day would ever come. There were those who lived their entire lives and never knew anything but the journey. It took great faith to begin the journey and even more so to remain on it when the end was not known. Over the course of 40 years, their faith was stretched and it was tested. So let's look at one such moment. Moses had climbed Mount Sinai where he received the Ten Commandments. And while he was away from the camp, the Israelites became restless and impatient. This is from Exodus 32.1. It says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. It's almost hard to imagine. This large group of, who God had delivered from slavery in Egypt and even been, had 
been given a promise of a blessing by way of a land and a new future. It's hard to imagine them questioning their faith because things weren't happening in the time frame that they were wanting or expecting. But that's exactly what was happening. Have you ever done that? You ever been so ready for a blessing that you decided to take it in your own hands? Or maybe you just wondered where God was in the situation. I have. A part of the purpose for the extended period in the wilderness was for the Israelites to learn to lean on God, to have faith, and increase that faith by relying more and more on it. For them to approach Aaron with their gold and ask him to make a golden calf to worship while they wait. It wasn't just a setback in this process of growing in faith, but it was also an insult to the God that had delivered them. You may recall me saying the reason for the 40-year trek wasn't because the promised land wasn't ready for them. Rather, they weren't ready for it. They were going to receive that promise, that blessing, at the speed of their faith. Faith is one of those churchy words we use. We often use it synonymously with other words like trust or belief. Maybe we use it when we're really meaning hope. On the back of this week's announcements, there are 10 statements about faith. Now, I want to encourage you to read them sometime this week, but I want to briefly talk about four right now. Number six, faith means to trust. When we worry or have fear, we aren't trusting. Facing a fear, pushing through a worry and surviving it, whatever that may look like, and then looking back and realizing that you have overcome, it builds your faith. And it should make it a little easier to trust God and yourself. And therefore, it's grown your faith just a little bit more. And we'll talk about this a little further in a few minutes. And number eight, faith results in action. What you do reveals your faith. It reflects it. Sometimes what you don't do reflects it as well. Being patient and waiting on the Lord to act requires an arguably greater amount of faith and courage sometimes. Number nine, great faith is believing before the experience. Now anyone can say, I knew that was going to happen after whatever was actually happened. But faith is believing first. Even greater faith is trusting, like number six says, and putting your faith into action, like number eight says. And finally, number 10, faith the decision everyone makes. You see, consciously or subconsciously, everything you do is a result of a faith you have or a lack of faith you have. So I want to encourage you not to act on blind faith. Decide in your life to seek God through prayer and by talking to him and then by listening to him. Then you will have some guidance and direction for your life, and you can pursue it with faith, knowing that God is also faithful to you. See, faith in God empowers and equips you. Nothing moves as fast or as slow as the speed of faith. Simply put, faith gives courage. The opposite of faith is fear. One can move you forward, the other can stop you in your tracks or cause you to retreat from a direction that you should be going. Strong faith in God will result in a strong faith in yourself. And I don't mean this is self-reliance. The important thing is to rely on God. So what I'm saying here is that you will begin to realize that your decisions are trustworthy because you are aligned with your faith and God's design for you. James 1, 2-3 Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I, I read this often. This is actually one that I lean on. 
but joy, consider it joy. Now, joy is not happiness, not necessarily, but joy. Take joy. Find the goodness in it. Take, have peace with it. And, and many, it says, facing trials of many kinds. These many kinds of experiences make you well-rounded. Okay? They, they toughen you up. They develop faith in, in various areas, relationships, and health, and insecurity, and, and finances. Okay? Almost like exercising all of your muscles makes you overall more fit. Now, do you ever read a scripture countless times, and then you read it again and notice something different? Perhaps it's a word or a phrase that jumps out at you that hadn't before. So as I was preparing this message and reading this verse for the umpteenth time, I noticed something new, this phrase, because you know. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Because you know this is wisdom. To be able to recognize and understand God's purpose in something is wisdom. It's a blessing. It took faith to believe, and as that faith grew, there is now wisdom, and we know, we know or understand things because we are capable of a godly perspective, an eternal perspective. Without this, you may lose hope because you can't grasp that there may be a divine purpose in what is happening, and you may not believe in your soul that whatever circumstances you're dealing with will ever end. For many years and through many tough times, I use these two verses as a source of strength and encouragement. So let me read them to you one more time. Again, it's James 1, 2 through 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then one day, not so many years ago, I kept reading. Here's what verse 4 says. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Yikes. I was in my 30s when I lost my brother. My marriage to the mother of my children ended, and I experienced a series of financial setbacks as the construction industry owned a business and suffered during a bad economy. I believed that I had conquered those situations and come out on top, at least spiritually, and I had. And then I read on and found that there will be more struggles. And each one will have additional purpose, an opportunity for me to learn and to lean a little further and a little harder on my faith. Take joy. There will be more opportunities to rely on God and continue to mature in your faith. Faith is a critical enabler of social change. Unfortunately, the opposite is also true. The absence of our faith leads to changes in the opposite direction. I believe we live in a world of declining faith. For whatever reason, we are encouraged by society to rely on ourselves or technology, and we're seemingly doing so more and more often. Our desire to turn to God for help is being replaced by self-help books and seminars. We look to others to define social morals and values. If you don't believe me that our standards may have slipped a little bit, compare a PG movie today versus what you might have seen 20 years ago. Or better yet, just turn on the TV after 8 p.m., is yesterday's style of faith sufficient for today, for all this new stuff? Is yesterday's style of faith still relevant? I believe that it is. How quickly we regain our holy perspective as a society will be solely done at the speed of our faith. This is within our control, and it starts with a decision followed by action. I'm not promoting a war against society or Hollywood or anything like that. 
But I'm telling you that whatever comes next for the world begins with millions of individual decisions regarding what they have faith in. And now that we understand that we have a role in God's timing, you may be tempted to say something like, okay, God, I get it. I need to rely on you. Or perhaps you said something like, okay, God, I'm letting go and giving it to you. And that is awesome. These statements of surrender aren't a sign of weakness. They are a sign of faith, and this faith is supported by your Heavenly Father who loves you and has all the strength you need. But he will not be fooled. He will move at the speed of your real faith. Do you remember last week's scripture and message about putting down our burdens, our worries, our fears, our anxieties and struggles, and yoking ourselves, meaning to connect ourselves and walk closely with Jesus so that he can share our load, teach us, and also give us a new load, which he himself describes as light and easy to bear. That takes faith, and delaying this decision doesn't change the outcome. It just delays the point at which the blessing begins. It will come at the speed of your faith. I've talked about and regularly use the term risky prayer. It's a prayer we ask that's going to stretch us, to grow us, makes us more Christ-like, but we may endure some things that we'd rather not subject ourselves to in order to have that prayer answered fully. But my risky prayer this week is that God may continue to develop spiritual maturity in us, individually and as a congregation. This is a prayer that even those who were closest to Christ at the time asked him. Luke 17, 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. They asked this because they knew that faith is fundamental to everything else. In 1 Peter 1, 5-8, we are given this instruction. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to conclude this morning's message with this thought and question to you. Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to gain a godly perspective and wisdom of your situation, whatever it may be good or bad? Do you just want to get through the tough times a little easier and perhaps a little quicker? Well, the response to any of these questions is a simple one. Not necessarily an easy one, but certainly it's very simple. Trust in God and let him know that's what you're doing. Let's pray. Father God, in a a world of instant gratification, where if you want something now, if you want knowledge, if you want a product, if you want anything, you can get it almost instantaneously. The world is moving so fast, but there are so many things that seem to move so slow. Sometimes it's the most important things. It's the answer. It's the diagnosis. It's the miracle. They don't move the way we want them to. God, help us to see from your perspective that you have control, that you have a grand plan for us, You want more than anything to have a relationship with us and for us to rely on you. God, when times are tough, forgive us when we try to rush to a judgment or rush to a solution or rush to take control of something that was never ours to control. 
And God, in times of abundance, let us remember to be thankful as well. We love your plan. We may not always understand it. We may not care for your timing, but it's always perfect. And to the end that we can influence it by our faith, by learning the lesson a little quicker, a little deeper, by just conceding ourselves to you and your will, let us move at that speed with our faith. God, as always, I thank you for this church, this congregation, all those who gathered here this morning despite the bitter temperatures. God, I pray for those who couldn't make it this morning, whether traveling or ill or home, staying warm or away for the winter. Be with them and bless them. Let them always know that they've got a warm, welcoming place here. And God, as always, I want to pray for the empty places and pews. Thank you for the opportunity to invite more in. Let us never miss an opportunity to tell someone about you or this wonderful place. I give this service to you in your name. Amen.